Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 24th of April. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And good morning. What a beautiful day out there. And um, thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program. And we're looking, uh, we're listening, not looking, listening to a bit of a reggae um, theme there by Jim Cherry. So that's something different. Thank you very much for that. And of course, 3CR Radio and um, Radio Sound is not too far away as well. So we better start saying, uh, save up your pennies to... um, um, uh, uh, donate money to the station and to us in uh, particular, or well, to this um, program. That's us. right. I do want to remind listeners that because of COVID last year, we didn't have a radiothon. We um, acknowledge that many of you listeners were probably doing it tough. And although some of you probably still are doing it tough, um, we really do need to dig deep this year because um, we need to keep 3CR on air, especially in this period of such mass uh, false information and poor um, media reporting. That's so right. start saving from now. That's right. That's right. And of course, Asia Pacific Currents brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links every week. And Giselle, those contact details. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms. We continue to post news um, and labour movement issues from the Asia Pacific region, including stuff that we don't have time to bring you on air. That's right. And on today's uh, program, we'll have the usual roundup uh, of news. We've got uh, six stories coming up. But in the second half of the uh, of the program, we'll be hearing from Joss Cullinan, who is the secretary of RAFU, which is the, what is it, the retail? Retail and food... Fast food, Fast food workers, workers union. union. That's right. I do. So we're speaking to Josh about the anniversary of Rana Plaza. It's the eight-year anniversary this year. Uh, actually, we wanted to talk to our comrades in Bangladesh, but when we made contact with them, we discovered that just about all of them have COVID and are actually in bed. Some of them are in in comas in Bangladesh in poor quality hospitals and in a run-down, overstretched health system. So uh, we will bring you um, some solidarity statements from our comrades overseas, but I I did want listeners to know just how tough some of the um, organisers and unionists are doing it over there. They actually all caught COVID, Pierre, sorry, I'll just say this story. Um, Because when COVID hit and Bangladesh went into lockdown, all of these workers had no food, no money, couldn't pay their rent. And so the union was forced to organise food stalls to feed the workers 
and they all contracted it during those food stalls. That's right, quite um, shocking, and I think uh, um, so. That'll be in the latter, in the second half of the of our program around quarter past nine. But we'll go to our news stories, and I think the first news story is about COVID in the neighbouring country of India. That's right, Pierre. And there is a disaster unfolding now in India as thousands die. In the last six weeks, reported cases of COVID nineteen cases in India have risen exponentially, from a base of around twenty thousand per day to over three hundred thousand cases per day, with a corresponding increase in deaths. This massive surge has developed after months of relative steady numbers of infections and has highlighted the inadequacy of India's public health care system. Hospitals all over India are now turning people away. Oxygen supplies are critically low, while many crematoriums cannot keep up with the supply of bodies to burn even though they are operating 24 hours of the day. This situation has been caused by the government decisions to allow unrestricted mass gatherings of millions of people for religious festivals and political rallies in the last couple of months. While local governments have now started to impose new restrictions and lockdowns, these are already starting to affect some of the poorest workers hardest. Fearful of the suffering from the last harsh lockdown in 2019, uh, tens of thousands of migrant workers have already fled Indian cities. Health officials also believe that the situation is much worse than reported numbers as many Indians are too poor to afford health care or access to testing sites. Yes, uh, and, and really uh, workers and, and poor and marginalised people are really caught in a, in a vice uh, here. They're the most exposed to the, to the infection, but also the ones that economically suffer the most. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we go um, next door to Bangladesh for a different reason this time, unfortunately. Um, we got the news that last Saturday over 2,000 construction workers and supporters took to the streets to demand the payment of unpaid wages, wage rises and better working conditions. They were met by a police contingent that started shooting at them live uh, bullets, um, killing at least five workers and injuring more than 20 of them. The uh, workers are employed uh, at, a si- at the site of a huge coal-fired power plant that has been built around 250 kilometres southeast of the capital, Dhaka. Human rights activists claim that the power plant does not meet environmental impact standards and was built without public consultation. And in actual fact, these deaths are not the first around this power plant, as in the last four years, there have been a number of other protests where demonstrators have been killed by security forces. And moving now to Myanmar. While world leaders and regional bodies like ASEAN continue to deal with the Burmese military junta as the best way to engage with them to resolve the crisis in Myanmar, the great majority of people in Myanmar are still fighting to end military rule. While the military has deployed its vast army to oversee and control the population at its workplaces, public spaces and streets, the reality is that protests of all kinds are daily occurrences throughout the country. Activists believe that so far at least 250,000 people have been displaced by the military coup, over 700 people have been recorded as having died, and officially more than 3,000 people have been arrested since the military coup. Just such a urgent situation, and it's I don't know about you, but I am finding it very difficult to pr- predict what kind of likely outcome there will be for this. Uh, yes, uh, totally. And um, in actual fact, uh, I've I, I read some reports in the last few days that uh, um, shortage of foods are starting to become widespread as well as everything just uh, breaks down. 
Uh, oh, I think I've got my, I was looking at my colleagues here, and it's actually uh, me. I've got number four. Uh, well, we go to Hong Kong, uh, where this week the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions Secretary General Lee Chuk-yan was sentenced to 14 months of imprisonment under the new national security law for participating in a peaceful demonstration in 2019. Lee's sentencing is just the latest in a series of arrests and jailing of trade union activists in Hong Kong following the protest movement that started in 2019 over political representation. The International Trade Union Confederation, ITUC, has condemned Lee's imprisonment as a breach of a legitimate right of trade unions to participate in social and economic affairs and violates the principle of freedom of association, which all of us workers need to organise. Uh, moving now to Japan, where the dam- damaged Japanese reactor is to release re- radioactive water. Last week, the Japanese government announced that in two years' time, it would release over one million tonnes of contaminated water from the damaged Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant into the ocean. This water has been accumulating since the tsunami da- disaster of 10 years ago, as it has been used to cool the damaged, react- uh, damaged radioactive core. While treated, the water still contains tritium, a radioactive isotope of hydrogen, and and so the government will dilute all discharge by a factor of 100, over and above recommended safety limits. Nevertheless, given the Japanese government and TEPCO's, uh, the company that owns the nuclear reactor, their history in downplaying risks and hiding information, many Japanese organisations, international environmental groups and neighbouring countries have all declared opposition to this plan. And our last story this morning is the anniversary of Rana Plaza, which will also be the feature interview for this morning. Last Friday, uh, as in yesterday, the 23rd of April, well, actually today, the 24th. Oh, is it? Yes, that's right. Today, the 24th, is the eighth year anniversary of the collapse of Rana Plaza, a disaster that killed more than a 1,000 garment workers and injured countless others. All over the world, garment workers continue to face deadly conditions with more than 40 workers losing their lives in factories in Morocco and Egypt in the month of March alone. In Bangladesh, the campaign following the collapse of Rana Plaza led to the creation of the Bangladesh Accord on Fire and Building Safety. While this accord has limitations and isn't perfect, since 2013... It's led to more than 140,000 safety violations being detected, with over 90% being addressed and over 1,300 joint labour management factory level safety committees being set up. The accord is set to expire at the end of May of this year. Without it, over 2 million garment workers will be left in the hands of voluntary, non-enforceable corporate social responsibility initiatives, which are next to useless in safeguarding workers' health. There's now an international campaign to make sure that the Bangladesh Accord on Fire and Building Safety is extended so as to provide a minimum safety net for workers. And I should also say what is implicit in this story is that um, the the momentum right now is not to renew uh, the accord. It is is requiring a campaign because, in fact, the government and the um, garment worker, garment industry, so the bosses, that industry association, um, have already said that it's not being renewed. And, um, you know, to put it in the parlance of Australian politics, that it would be seen as unnecessary red tape and uh, regulations. Um, that's uh, really the end of the news roundup. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with our feature interview. And it's just on 12 past nine o'clock here on 3CR Radio, favourite community radio station. Mm-hmm. 
Every year on May Day, 3CR joins communities from around the globe to celebrate the achievements of the labour movement and to show solidarity with the struggle for workplace rights and, of course, fair working conditions for everyone. Why is it important to celebrate May Day? Well, because we celebrate and enjoy understanding the history, the present-day fight and the future battles because we haven't won yet. So tune in from 7am on Saturday the 1st of May. It's more important than ever to celebrate May Day. We'll be fighting for a long time, so come and join us. And happy May Day from 3CR. Thirteen minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to hear from Josh Cullinan now. He's the secretary of RAFWU, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, about the anniversary of um, Rana Plaza. I did want to just quickly preamble this by saying when Josh was the industrial officer at the NTU, so how his interest developed in uh, Rana Plaza is he approached, the NTU approached AAWL as one of our affiliates and said that they wanted to source um, ethical T-shirts for the NTU, for the union. And as we were supporting them to source ethical T-shirts, Rana Plaza collapsed. And that is where the start of their um, solidarity with Bangladeshi garment workers really originated. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, you're here because today is the anniversary of the massacre at Rana Plaza and you've got a particular interest in this. Can you you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks, Giselle. Thanks for having me on as well. I'm uh, my, my current role, I'm the Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union and we have members who are working in the sectors of selling garments made um, overseas and in particular in places like Bangladesh. In 2014, I was fortunate enough to participate in two uh, solidarity missions with AAWL and other unionists from Victoria to Bangladesh. Um, and during those solidarity missions, not only did we meet hundreds and hundreds of workers um, and their unions, but we also uh, were able to visit um, these uh, the sites of mass murder, uh, including Rana Plaza in, on the outskirts of Dhaka in Bangladesh. So ever since that time, uh, I've been actively involved in trying to ensure that those murders are never forgotten and that the workers um, and their families uh, secure justice. It's been eight years since that building collapsed in what was outright negligence, but I mean, I guess it was a bit more willful than that on behalf of the owners of both the company that operated in that factory and the owners of the building. What has happened by way of compensation for the survivors, but also the families of those deceased? Uh, Well, for for survivors and families, there was um, very limited compensation uh, at the time. Uh, There was a international outpouring of sorrow, but no real recognition of uh, the mass murders that took place on that day. Um, Whilst there was some limited compensation paid to some families, there was nothing like the type of compensation that was necessary, not only for those workers who survived to be able to um, secure the support of um, of finding new work and uh, their medical needs and 
uh, and uh, effectively wages for the future. Um, but even for those families who, who lost uh, their, their um, income earners or their mums or dads or children, um, there certainly wasn't any um, sustainable uh, compensation. Uh, a, a small amount at the time that might have covered a few months of rent and food um, just doesn't come close to the impact on these families. And we know uh, now that um, a lot of these organisations, these unions, these political groupings who are working for justice for uh, not just the survivors of Rana Plaza but other workers across the garment industry of Bangladesh, these organisations have been absolutely decimated by COVID. Many of the leaders of um, these organisations are in hospital. Um, can you? What can you tell us about the impact of COVID on um, some of these workers and political organisations? Well, the impact on COVID, uh, the impact of COVID in Bangladesh has been uh, disastrous, as it has been across the subcontinent and um, in any part of the world uh, that doesn't have um, strong health care. Of course, you know, we see an impact in places like Australia and in, um, and in Europe and in North America, which we often would consider more akin to Australia um, and we consider it bad here, but um, in places like Bangladesh, um, there are workers and, um, and the poor dying on the streets. Um, and so that has certainly had a massive impact um, in two ways in Bangladesh. Firstly, just the direct lack of any form of healthcare support for um, the working poor in Bangladesh. Um, and so that has a direct impact on, on unions, organisations and their members. But at the same time, we have um, countries like Australia and the United States um, uh, and our capitalist buyers, so organisations that buy the garments from Bangladesh and sell them here, um, uh, clamping down on the orders they had made last year, initially out of, possibly out of some fear that there was going to be a disastrous sales um, um, forecast for them in Australia and the US and elsewhere. But even after that became clear that that was going to recover or not, not happen, um, they used their buying power to limit the sorts of funds that were going back into these countries and demand even better, or for them better, but for workers much worse um, uh, payment conditions for the supplies in Bangladesh. So what we saw is workers out of work, workers losing their jobs, uh, workers being um, basically stood down for months um, and not paid the workers the wages they were owed. And the suppliers, the, the, the businesses in, in places like Bangladesh hid behind the buyers and um, have caused you know, even more carnage on the lives of these workers. You were one of the organisers of a memorial event that was held yesterday in Melbourne at the Eight Hour Monument and in preparation for that memorial event you received some solidarity statements from our comrades in Bangladesh. Would you be able to share those with our listeners this morning? I'd love to. Um, there's, two, um, there's two statements. Uh, the first is from uh, Taslima Akhtar who's an acclaimed uh, artist and photographer uh, and is the president of uh, the Bangladesh Garment Workers Solidarity um, and represents many workers in Bangladesh. And so her statement um, that was sent in solidarity is, please convey our solidarity and gratitude to friends and well-wishers of Rafu who are participating in this vigil for the 8th anniversary of Rana Plaza collapse. 
this year we were mentally prepared to observe 24 April with huge open activity and gatherings. But unfortunately, we are not ready to make it possible for the second wave of COVID. But we will organise a small gathering to commemorate the lives lost with flowers at the memorial site at Tavar. COVID has just dismantled all our activity. Just a few minutes ago, I got information about the death of a friend's father. Every day we are in a rush by getting the new extreme news of death and infected people who are in severe conditions of COVID and fighting to survive. With all of these, we have to work. In this critical period of pandemic, we can't forget those 1,175 workers who lost their lives and dreams under the rubble. Rana Plaza's dead workers are the representatives of 4 million workers of the garment factory. Eight years have passed, but yet the guilty persons have not got punishment. Still, the compensation law has not changed broadly. Though we are in a pandemic situation, we cannot forget them. We will not forget them. They are part of our history. Garment workers earn more than 84% of the foreign currency for our economy. We don't think there are, they were only numbers or tools who can only make profit for the capitalist system. But our government owner, international buyer, doesn't treat them as a human being. They think workers are disposable, but there is no doubt that our government owners and buyers are 100% responsible for workers' lives and livelihood. In this pandemic time, we know working-class people are in worse situations with their life and livelihood. I want to remember the workers who died at Rana Plaza. We want to say workers who still are working at different factories with the life risk of COVID and to all workers, working-class people of the universe. We will never forget the workers of Rana Plaza and forgive guilty people who are responsible for the collapse and worst situation of working class people. Let's raise voice together. Remember the death and fight for the living. Let's be united and make bridge of solidarity locally and globally. Without unity and solidarity, we cannot fight. We cannot survive life like human beings. The second message is from uh, Comrade Shobdam Hafiz, who is the president of the Garment Workers Liberation Movement. Shobnam uh, was, when we were doing our solidarity um, visits in 2014, running a childcare centre for, uh, as an ex-garment worker who had been injured. Um, she had established a small childcare centre where we met many, many workers and their families. Um, and so Shobnam's message on behalf of the Bangladesh uh, Garment Workers Liberation Movement reads, accept the red greetings. We are happy and proud to know that you are going to hold a program on April 23 in Melbourne, Australia, on the occasion of Rana Plaza Workers' Murder Day. We wish your success in that program and express our full solidarity in the program. On behalf of the Central Committee of the Garment Workers' Liberation Movement, we think the eight years ago, 1,137 workers were killed and several thousand injured, including 2,500 permanently paralysed workers, were forced to work in unsafe and risky buildings at Savard's Rana Plaza, despite knowing in advance. Eight years after the incident at Rana Plaza on April 24, 2013, the cold-blooded murder has not been brought to justice. It is the protection of the interests of the owners of the government, a shining example of their policy of sheltering and indulging. It is a matter of painful shame for the nation not to be tried for such a big murder that has caused a stir all over the world. The way out of this is to ensure proper punishment of the real culprits and to bring them under accountability and for that to make the workers aware and united to form an organisation movement. 
Due to the lack of justice and accountability of government in the existing owner-friendly state system, the workers were compelled to continue working in the factory in spite of the fact that it may cause increasing risk of being affected by COVID-19 pandemic. Besides that the workers have not received their wages in due time and the workers have been illegally terminated and no effective measures are taken to ensure health protection of the workers. In this matter, the declaration of lockdown without ensuring guarantees of life and protection of profession have resulted in social instability. It is mentionable that during the first wave of the COVID pandemic, the government granted special financial incentives at nominal interest through garment owners for paying the wages of workers. Even then, the owners didn't pay the wages of workers, which resulted in unprecedentedly forcing the workers move to the streets with their agitation unprecedented. Because of the shameless irresponsibilities of the owners, consequently, the lives of the workers and mass people were at risk of death unreasonable. We believe that trade union rights and the freedom of expression of the workers needs to be ensured for the welfare of the country and the nation. In order to provide proper compensation and rehabilitation to the workers and employees who have been the victims of accidents in the workplace, it is necessary to enact laws and implement the existing laws. We call upon government and the employers to play a more courageous, responsible, enterprising and sincere role in securing and improving the livelihood of the majority of the people including the workers and employees. On Rana Plaza Day, we strongly demand the implementation of the following demands and are committed to building a struggle movement for that purpose. One, ensure health and safety of life in the workplace. Two, the owners of the buildings and factories responsible for the Rana Plaza killings should be given exemplary punishment. Three, appropriate compensation should be given to the workers and employees who are the victims of accidents in the workplace. Four, the families of each of the slain workers will have to pay compensation equal to one life's income. Five, arrangements have to be made for proper treatment and rehabilitation of workers who have been crippled in accidents at work. Six, establishing a hospital in the place of Rana Plaza building for garment workers and low-income people for providing free or low-cost medical treatment. Seven, in front of the Rana Plaza building, a monument will have to be erected in memory of the slain workers. Eight, Garment workers need to be given balanced food and health security, including regular tests during the COVID pandemic period. Nine, full rationing should be arranged for the workers at the rate of the army. 10, workers' rights to trade unions and the freedom of expression must be ensured. The victory of the people, including the working class, is inevitable. In solidarity, Shobnam Hafiz, the president of the Garment Workers' Liberation Movement. They are the two messages that we received in solidarity from our comrades in Bangladesh. Josh, thank you so much for sharing all of that and talking about your experiences of solidarity with uh, the Bangladeshi garment workers and, of course, visiting Rana Plaza. I'll, I'll leave you to your morning now. I just wanted to ask, was there anything you wanted to add? I, I think the only thing that um, is uh, that we should add is that at, at this time, these, these families and workers that were murdered, it was, this was just a mass murder in Rana Plaza, uh, must never be forgotten. We must... Um, we must mourn the dead, but continue to fight for the living. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. One, two, three, four, we won't take it 
28 minutes past nine o'clock here on uh, Asia Pacific Currents on 3CR. Just in the closing minutes of the show, I just wanted to announce a couple of things. Um, next weekend is May Day, Saturday the 1st of May. There'll be a rally at 12.30 starting at Trades Hall. And, of course, the traditional May Day committee uh, rally in March, which will be on Sunday the 2nd of May in the same place. I think it starts at 11.30. One o'clock. Sorry, one o'clock. One o'clock at Trades Hall on Sunday the 2nd of May and don't forget a rally on Saturday the 1st of May at 12.30 in the same place. And that's uh, thanks for that, uh, Giselle, and that takes us to the end of uh, of another week's program of Asia-Pacific Currents, and uh, I can certainly uh, agree with Josh's uh, comments um, at the end of the interview, Giselle, about uh, remembering the dead. They were murdered, but we've got to fight for the living um, all, the, all the time, and, and we will. So that's all for this week for another program of Asia-Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. We'll be back next week at the same time at 9am. That's all from me. Pierre Morrow, me Giselle Hannah, and me James Barry. And stay tuned for Palestine Remembered.